Welcome to the Language of Ahava podcast, a podcast for families with young children. So what happens when a rabbi and an early childhood teacher walk into a podcast? I think it's going to be fun, and I'm sure it's going to be about connections. Hi, I'm Karen DeWister, and I'm the early childhood teacher. And I'm David Steinhardt. I'm the senior rabbi at B'nai Torah Congregation. Every conversation that I have with Karen is always fascinating and leads to new ideas. So joining together with Karen, making connections together is really what our goal is. I thank you because what the perspective that you bring to my world and my experiences from the Torah, from tradition, from community, um, from parenthood and grandfatherhood, it's all magnificent. So here comes our podcast. Uh, we'll be posting every other Friday just before Shabbat because we want to make these connections with you. And when you give a little ahava, you make this world a better place. I'm ready, Karen. Let's get going. Here we go. This is our second episode, and we are still preparing for Rosh Hashanah. What I would like to talk about is coming home to ourselves, to our families, to our communities, and who even knows what that means in the world of COVID. So, Rabbi, we're preparing, we're anticipating. How do we find groundedness or come back in a search to groundedness from all of the struggle and upheaval that we've faced this week and this year? It's a good question, Karen. And I don't have, certainly don't have all the answers to that, but I was thinking about something in relation to coming home. There's a line in the Talmud that I've often used when I do wedding ceremonies where a rabbi says, um, I don't call my wife, my wife, rather I call her my home. And what I think uh, the intention of that, which is pretty obvious, is that we're home when we center ourselves in those places and with those people whom we love. And that real love is kind of based on giving and it's based on receiving. It gives one a sense of security. So home is the place where we find security. And it's in people that we really find that. So I think that's one of the things to kind of, as we prepare for the holidays, to think about how we're doing in our love for each other. It's so perfect. I mean, of course it's perfect because it is grounding all of us in Ahava, in the giving, and then allowing ourselves to receive. Um, to start with the couple before we move to the children, and before, and to start with family before we talk about community, I think is a wonderful sequence that we can start this with. Rabbi, you've talked to couples and 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 couple newlyweds and couples who've been together for fifty and seventy five years. Yeah. What do you know about that connection and the love that we want to try to come home to, or? to try to connect to with each other. I have this little reading called The Marriage Box, and it may seem a little cliche-ish, but I think it's very true. And it goes something like this. Some people enter marriage thinking about what they're going to get out of marriage, like what marriage is going to give them. But then the reading goes on to say, but we have to think about marriage like a box. And when you first get married, it's an empty box. And so your marriage is going to be about what you put into it. It's what you give to it. 
And so I think that that's true in all the relationships that we have. It's not about what we take from them. It's what we give to them. Okay. I have to hold this image for a minute because I love the idea of the box as we go into Rosh Hashanah, as, a, as, as we think about this new year as an empty container, and we don't get to fill it completely because we don't have that ultimate control. I mean, we say prayers for the blessings that we want in that year, mm-hmm. but that idea of approaching um, the couple and the love and the home of our families first as what are we bringing to it? What do I have to give? And, and I think that in this world of COVID, that little bit of selflessness takes us out of our anxiety, our stress, our oh no-ness, so yeah. that we can say, but I have a love to share. I have something that can make my partner's life a little easier. And then that selflessness also carries on to our children because we put them ahead of our own anxiety and stress yeah. as we go forward. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's okay. a very good point. Having yeah. been in this period of COVID for well over a year now and speaking to people all the time in the congregation, and I'm thinking now particularly about elderly people, but it's true with all people, that the ones who've done better who are living alone are the ones who have taken time to call other people to be involved with projects of volunteering to help people. And so it's in that, it's in that capacity to give of yourself that you gain a sense of security and a sense of purpose. And that is really important. So your YouTube video for B'nai Torah from August 13th was about us having that self-awareness to say, how can we improve? And only we can look at ourselves for what we can give and what we can do better. Talk to us about that process. Um, yeah, well, it, it was, act, I'm sorry, go on. For couples, for children, and then to community, that sense of looking outward, but looking that YouTube, outward. That YouTube uh, recording was based on something I saw as I was driving on Federal Highway in downtown Boca where they're building a new luxury um, apartment and uh, hotel. I think it's the, the Orient. And there's a series of billboards that are placed that say things like live beautifully, live comfortably, live happily. And then the last one that I noted said live unapologetically. During this time of year, seeing that billboard, I shuddered, you know, like our intention here is to say, I can apologize. If you live unapologetically, that means you see yourself as doing no wrong, never hurting others. And it's just, it's the, it's the opposite of what we want to create in the human spirit and in a person's identity. We're all imperfect. We all make mistakes. So there are times we'll have to apologize. And this is a holiday that allows us to look within fearlessly and courageously and accept our vulnerabilities, our imperfections, our own personal shortcomings, not to be unapologetic, but to say, okay, I understand how that affects other people and I can own it and have responsibility for that, that I'm not always a perfect partner, that I'm not always a perfect parent. And that my favorite quote, since I've started doing any parenting conversations has been, perfect parents don't raise perfect children. 
perfect parents raise children who will inevitably feel not good enough. So when we can accept the not good parts of ourselves, fearlessly, bravely, then we can be, then we can come with that emotional vulnerability and truly connect to another person, whether it's an adult or a child. Vulnerability gets a lot of attention in the popular culture these days. It used to be we tried to be perfect, look perfect, et cetera. And now we say it's okay not to be perfect, but to be truly vulnerable, to be able to allow that place deep inside of ourselves that feels insecure, that has been hurt, that is hurting. It's so important for love. I cannot love you fully if I can't show you my insecurities, my vulnerability, because it's through that that I, my, I have cracks in my heart, you know, cracks in my soul, and that you can enter into it. But it's not just true about either romantic love or the love between adults. It's also true with our loving our children and teaching our children. It's okay to let your children know that you've made a mistake, that you've, you did something wrong. You were hurtful and you lost your temper and you're sorry that I shouldn't have done that. And I feel really badly that I did that. And that is a great lesson. It's a great way to raise children because then when they say, I'm sorry, maybe they'll feel it. It's not just that you teach them, say you're sorry, but you got to feel it. And we know we're going to come back to this theme, but this, this idea of Rosh Hashanah and making mistakes and an, and an acceptance in early childhood and in education, we call it a growth mindset, that mistakes aren't dead ends, that mistakes aren't things to be avoided, that mistakes are the things that help us grow. And I know that parents are always playing catch up with their children's changing stages of development. As soon as you think as a parent, I got this all figured out. I'm a great parent. I understand how to handle the tantrums, the potty training, the this. Your child goes into a new stage and you're looking at them like, who are you? (laughs) And the parent is continually lost. The parent is continually thrown from groundedness back into quicksand which is why I love talking with parents because that parent journey of reflection, of awareness, of acceptance and allowing yourself to grow and change and be changed by outside forces, namely these little people that you love so much. Those mistakes are essential and there is no avoiding them. So how do we, from a Jewish tradition, embrace growth and change and mistakes annually every year yeah you know it's actually the there's a concept called teshuva and teshuva means returning it can mean changing or repentance it's done intensely this time of year but it's actually part of our daily prayer it's about this willingness to look at ourselves and our vulnerability and our nakedness and et cetera, realize that we can always turn to be better. And there are a lot of different ways. I loved what you just said about um, thinking as parents thinking, we got it. And then, and then what happens is we don't have it because our kids are changing and our kids are growing. 
And so they're different. And so we never can really hold on to it long enough to feel like, oh, this is easy. Parenting is easy. Parenting is parenting and um, and being a spouse are the two hardest jobs in the world and the two most important jobs in the world also. I agree. Uh, and the idea, both on a personal level and on a community spiritual level, that there's a constant returning, the cycling. Um, and I just saw it on an On Being podcast that they were talking about the healing is in the returning, that only in the beginning again and the willingness to begin again day after day, year after year, can we actually grow, but also find that peace. So let's close this with a ribbon somehow, that the process, as unpredictable as it is, as unsettling as it is, ends up with peace, groundedness, and connection, and and love. And, and then yeah, I, have I, more I've I, got to throw out, because it's in the returning to God, which is the, your teaching, <laughs> is it also, can we can we describe it as a returning to love? Is that enough? That's, that's a really big question. Why don't we save it for another podcast? Let me go someplace else, okay? I'm not avoiding it. Okay. I listen occasionally to, to Esther Perel's podcast. She's a psychoanalyst. And I've been listening to this podcast where she's talking with a couple who have been like packing down their issues for years and years and years not willing to really confront what it is that's going on inside of them to really emote, to show what they're feeling, to express their anger, et cetera, et cetera. They're together for 18 years and now they've reached a point where they realized they've had all of these problems. They've repressed the problems for so long and now they think they have to split up. And Esther Perel said to them, I think you got it wrong. I think you're ready for a new beginning because you see this. It's not about throwing away the past. It's about learning and growing from it. And I think that's a very, very central idea in these high holy days. What a perfect wrap that you just gave from the, those of us who are driving down Federal Highway in Boca that wish we could live unapologetically, that it is the embracing all that has come before that says, it's okay that there was less than perfect behind us and it is the beginning again. And, yeah. and I don't, when I drive down federal highway and think about this thing, I don't want to live unapologetically. You know why? Because if I lived unapologetically, I would think that I'm perfect and I'm so far from that. I want to be able to apologize for what I do wrong. And accept the apologies of those around us who may have hurt us as well. Equally important, yeah. So thank you, Rabbi. Um, Thanks. We have a lot more to talk about just for Rosh Hashanah, just for Shabbat, just for couples, just for children. And then, of course, all being held. And, and part of our message is you are not alone out there. You are connected to so many others who are feeling what you feel, but also an incredible community that in this case happens to be a Jewish community. And so... When you give a little ahava, um, you make this world a better place. Thank you, Rabbi. 
Thanks, Karen. We'll be in touch. Bye-bye. next time. Thank you so much for listening today, for being part of this moment, for being part of these Ahava connections, and for trying to give a little Ahava to one another. Thank you to my co-host, Rabbi David Steinhardt, for always adding timeless wisdom and a meaningful connection to our world and to this podcast. Thank you, B'nai Torah Congregation, for being our community of support and a place to share with one another. You hold us together in a world that is too often pulling us apart. Thank you to Cantor Magda Fishman for your voice, your whistling, your song, and the soul that you bring to everything you do. If you don't know Cantor Fishman, please check her out at B'nai Torah Services. You will be transformed and inspired. Finally, thank you to the Jewish Federation of South Palm Beach County for helping to fund this Ahava podcast and Ahava Nature Shabbat. And to our Ahava Malahim, our angels, the families who also help underwrite these Ahava projects. For more information about B'nai Torah Congregation, the website is btcboca.org. You can also find me, Karen Deerwester, at familytimeinc.com. Until next time, Shabbat Shalom, and give a little Ahava. Take care. When you give a little Ahava, when you give a little love, you see, you make this world a better place, a much better place to be. When you give a little Ahava, when you give a little love, you'll see, you'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be.